Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. We're going to get into a little bit of fun today, a little bit of trouble. (laughs) Not a whole lot of trouble, just a little bit. But I really believe God is going to challenge all of us. I want to say thank you to Bishop Harvey for the opportunity. Everybody, if you don't know, ministry is hard. And sometimes you need to get away. I talked to Bishop. Somebody clapped in the back. They must be doing <laughs> I got one person like, yes, my turn is coming. <laughs> talked to Bishop about a week ago, and Bishop had it down to the number of hours and minutes till vacation started. <laughs> God is, I'm telling you, he's elevating him. He's opening incredible doors that has taken Parklawn as a ministry nationwide at this point. It's, it's amazing. But continue to pray for Bishop, pray for his strength, pray for his family, because I'm telling you, ministry does not stop. You literally have to just step away for a little bit. I want to say thank you to my wife and and my baby who's here ignoring me right now, and that's okay. She gets to hear daddy fuss and talk all day, every day. (laughs) So glad to have them here, and I'm so thankful to see you all. So I'm not going to waste any more time. We've been having some conversations around this whole term of neighboring. And about what does that look like? How does that work? What are we supposed to be doing? And we've received some very valid questions. What am I supposed to do? What if I don't like my neighbor? How do I stay safe? (laughs) They look like they're doing stuff over there. I ain't going next door. What is it supposed to look like? You know, you're saying love them where they're at, but what does that mean? And the first thing that I want to talk about is just there's a, a, not really a program, it is a challenge that we want to put out to everybody. And we're launching our neighboring initiative today, actually. Today, today, today. So everybody knows summer, like, literally just started, like, yesterday. It finally got warm. It's supposed to stay that way for a little bit of time. And what we're asking is that over these next few months, up through the end of September, that you begin looking for opportunities to be a good neighbor. Looking for opportunities to just get outside the house for a few minutes and meet some people that live right around you. And as we do this, what we've done is we've placed a neighboring bulletin board in the atrium. And as you come up with maybe ideas, because there's a lot of us in here, and we all might have different ways. We might find something that just kind of we stumbled into that really worked. We're asking you to come in, grab one of the index cards that are on that table. There's pins, there's markers, there's push pins. Write down what you, what you came up with. What does God reveal to you? What's maybe a win? What's, if you took a selfie with you and the neighbor, come in and post it on the board. And those boards are already set up. You will see a large banner over here to the right side when you head out. And it's going to literally say, what if Jesus meant to actually love our neighbors? And that's the challenge for this summer, is to try to take that time, look for opportunities. We're going to talk a little bit more about how that works and what that looks like. But what I understand is that there are people here who find this difficult. I've never done it before. Or if you're like me, you know, I thought I was ready, okay? So I'm, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I came to Milwaukee. I thought God had prepared me. Where I came from, I was like, oh, yeah, I can deal with that. I can deal with Milwaukee. I'm ready. Y'all, I got to Milwaukee. I found out what I was doing was just boot camp. It wasn't the real war. <laughs> they, I got out here and like, you know, live fire is different. <laughs> it's different. And it's a reality that we need to be spirit-led in what we're doing. 
And that's what we're going to take some time talking about today is living a spirit-led life. Because if we want to really neighbor well, Jesus is going to have to be involved. He's going to have to be the one telling us what to do. He's going to have to be the one keeping us safe. He's going to be, have to be the one letting us know, no, nah, don't go over there right now. Go over here. Nah, yes, go talk to them right now. You know what? No, nah, just stay in the house and let that ride out. Don't go out there right We're going to need to be spirit-led in what we're doing. So I want to start with a simple premise, and this message is really going to be geared towards, and this is not a, a bad thing. This is just a simple question. How many of you in here have accepted Christ as your Savior? Just raise your hand. This is not a trick question. I'm not trying to fool you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, the Bible tells us that at the moment of conversion, you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. So Bishop Harvey actually taught on this a couple of weeks ago. And this is John chapter 20. A lot of us really think that the Holy Spirit was first talked about in the book of Acts. It wasn't. John chapter 20 says, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed, he being Jesus, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This was the disciples receiving the Holy Spirit, an indwelling of the Spirit of God. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit that he promised long ago. This spirit, the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So if you have accepted Christ as your savior, let's start off with the simple statement. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you right now. So this is accessible. Everything that I'm teaching from this standpoint, if you've accepted Christ, all of this is going to be accessible to you. Amen? All right. I want to, back in 2011, and I don't know if media team has, was able to have those photos work. If you can bring up that first photo for me. Back in 2011, so in this car is my wife's sister, her friend, and another goofy friend in the back seat. And they're riding in a little black car. Now, what you may not see on the flip side of that is a red car, a nice, brand new 2011 red Camry that Sonia is driving in. Now, why do I give you all those details? Because that car is not hers. <laughs> that car was mine. Well, you're like, well, well, you know, that's your wife. No, not at that time. She was not. At that time, she was a prospect. She was somebody I was trying to get to understand that you need to, you need to be with me. Why are you playing games? Listen to God and just come on over here. But Pastor Sonia, as so many of you all know her as, was not trying to hear the spirit of the Lord at the time. <laughs> so I'm trying to talk to her. You know, we're talking on the phone. We're doing that, you know, two steps forward, three steps back kind of thing. We talk, have a good time, go out, first date to Chuck E. Cheese, do all this other stuff, and then I don't hear from her for two, three weeks. Talk on the phone, hang out, disappear for a month. And what God was dealing with me on, I had anybody ever say a prayer that you probably shouldn't have said because the outcome of the prayer is a little different than what you thought it should be? You ever pray for patience? Yeah, folks saying, uh-oh, like you pray for patience and then you wonder why all hell break loose and you're like, why, God? He's like, you wanted patience? I got to put you in situations where patience is built. Well, I ain't gonna lie to you. I didn't pray for patience. That wasn't my problem. <laughs> what I prayed for Lord, I need your help in hearing your voice. Why did I ask him? Lord, I need your help. I need to understand when you speak, and I have a tendency to be impulsive. I make decisions quickly, and I just ride out with them, and that is not always the best way to be. And I got to a place in my life where I understood, you know what, Jay, you making decisions by yourself is not the best for you. God, help me to hear your voice. Help me to hear your will. And he said, oh, I've got something for you to help you hear me. Sonia, come here. <laughs> this lady that I was chasing for what, two years? I was one for two, y'all, in marital proposals. One for two. But you only need one to count. That's all that matters. <laughs> you say yes one time, that's all that matters. I remember this. June 2011, her sister is getting married. 
and they're going on a bachelorette party, and they are, you know, getting, getting all the cars ready and everything else. And when I tell you, I tell you, God literally, in my heart, said, you need to give her your car. Huh? My brand new car? For the girl that ain't talked to me in a month? Me and Jesus had a problem, okay? My car would just spick and span that don't out nothing. But I heard it so clearly. You need to take her car. Give her your car. And you, you ever give somebody something and like your hand don't want to quite let it go? <laughs> you trying to hand it, but everything in your hand is like, don't do this. I gave her my keys, and I remember taking her car. And again, spirit led. We're talking about spirit led. Things that when you have those little feelings that we write off and we say, uh, that's just me being, you need to start listening. Take her car to the shop. So she out kicking it in my car. I got an attitude. I ain't gonna lie. I was mad. I don't know where she at. I don't know what they're doing. They're on a bachelorette party. And I don't know. God knows what's happening at the bachelorette party with the girl I'm trying to talk to. I take her car to the shop drop it off and maybe three four hours later I get a phone call and the mechanic starts thanking me and I'm like you thinking because what this money you about to get what you thanking me for he said thank you for bringing this in because I told him you know it's a friend of mine's car you know something that's been it seems a little funny I don't know what's going on I just felt like I should bring it in when I brought the car in that guy called me and he said this car not that car there, but it was another similar black car. He said, this car was a death trap. He said, this car, when we looked at it, if you know what a ball joint is, that's the thing that keeps your wheels attached to your car. He said, all four of the ball joints were one pothole away. One pothole away from her losing one or more wheels while driving. He said, this car was so dangerous that if you had have come to try to pick it up, we would not have let you leave without towing it. When I tell you, I got off that phone and I shed tears because everything in me at that point said, I think I just saved somebody's life, indirectly didn't know in that moment that maybe I had just saved my own wife's life. By just being obedient to something that seemed crazy at the time. But because I listened and I acted, there was an outcome that brought glory to God. It didn't cost me anything outside of obedience some money because when he told me the amount I shed some more tears for a very different reason that man told me what it was going to cost to fix all four and God said fix it because I've given you the means to get this done I didn't even go back and tell her. I didn't even tell her what all he said. I didn't tell her because God told me, don't you say nothing. He said, I'm going to teach you how to listen to me, and I want you to start treating her like she's already your wife. What? <laughs> what? My wife ignored me monthly. What you talking about then? <laughs> but it was a lesson in learning, learning how to start hearing the spirit of God. And I'm going to start off in the passage of Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to ask you to be patient with me a bit as I go through this. As for Philip, this is a chapter 8, verse 26 through 39. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candic, the queen of Ethiopia, the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over, walk along beside the carriage. 
Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch then asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now, there's one scripture that's before this passage that I read. Well, actually, no, it's right there at the beginning. That's for Philip. And the angel of the Lord said to him, go south to the desert road. An angel of the Lord. He had an angelic appearance. Has anybody ever wished that God would just send you an angel to tell you what to do? Like, Lord, you know how much easier this would be? Send Gabriel with a note signed from you to my bedroom and just tell me what to do. All this mysterious stuff, all this praying, and I don't know who answering, and I don't know what's happening, and I'm looking for you to be here, but I don't hear you. Just send Michael, send Gabriel. I don't care if you send his five little brothers. Send somebody to tell me what you want. In this passage, Philip has an angel. Come tell him. Go here. Thank you, God. Obedience follows. But later on, it says, not an angel, but the Holy Spirit tells Philip, go over to that carriage and walk along beside it. And you know what Philip was smart enough to do? Be obedient. Because whether it's an angel or the Holy Spirit, Obedience is still the answer. Now, here's what will really mess you up. We have a whole system here at this church where you call in and you say, I want to talk to Bishop. I got questions about the church. I want to know more about what you do, who you are. You know, I want to learn more about the facility. I want to, you know, maybe set up a meeting with Bishop and, and hear kind of his heart and things about it. You call the church. You leave a voicemail. There's a young lady here named Priscilla Moore who is Bishop's administrative assistant. It's very likely you're gonna get a phone call back from Priscilla. Why? Because she has the authority from God, I'm from God, from Bishop. <laughs> Not quite God. <laughs> she has the authority from Bishop to answer and to speak on his behalf. She can answer questions about the church. She can answer up to a certain point, certain things about him. And you say, well, I call Bishop, but you can very well get the exact same answer from Priscilla. That's wonderful. She's his assistant. But it's very different if Bishop himself returns your phone call. Because now it's not somebody speaking on behalf of Bishop. It's Bishop speaking for himself. So here's where we mess things up. We look at angelic visitation, and we say, "If I, God, just send angels. And God says, but that's just my assistant. Do you realize we get the Holy Spirit twisted? The Holy Spirit is not his assistant. He is God. It's not the assistant speaking on behalf of God. It's God himself speaking. We believe in a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All of them, three separate persons, one God. One of them lives in you and speaks, but we choose not to listen because it's not an assistant, apparently. We want to hear from the angel. But why hear from the angel when you can hear from the real thing? So Philip obeys, and his obedience leads to not just the conversion of the unit, but him also getting baptized. And all Philip did was be obedient to what the Spirit was leading him to do. 
So we got to understand that we have to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then in our soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, in our soul, we get to make a decision on what this flesh is going to do. Because see, flesh got a mind of its own, too. And it'd be like, no, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing that. No, it's hot. I don't go. I don't want to go outside. Man, I work 15 hours a day. You talking about going outside and seeing about a neighbor? Your flesh will talk to you. How about we try that tomorrow? <laughs> He's struggling. I know, but he'll probably be struggling tomorrow. We'll do that then. But when you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the Holy Spirit, anybody ever had the thing where you felt like something was dropped into your spirit? And we hear that phrase, that terminology, Holy Spirit speaks directly to your spirit. Your soul gets an opportunity to think that over. And this is why you have them ideas that just pop in out of nowhere. You're like, that don't make sense. Why am I thinking about so-and-so like I should get him a call? You know what? I was getting ready to go that way, but for whatever reason, I feel like I'm supposed to turn right here. Why in the world? I don't never turn right here. You know what? I'm standing in line, and for whatever reason, and God knows, this woman behind me got a whole bunch of groceries. Why do I feel like I'm supposed to pay for them? Lord, if I'd have known you was going to make me pay, I'd have got in the 10-item or less aisle. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's why he don't tell you first. He lets you go over there, and then he be like, yeah, pay now. <laughs> we get to choose in our soul what this body is going to do. And sometimes, like Paul said, you got to beat this thing into submission. Because it doesn't want to listen. When the Spirit of God is speaking, it's typically not something you want to do. It's outside of your frame of reference. It's outside of your comfort zone. Example, my soul, my mind says simple stuff. When I know it's me, let's go see the new Avengers movie. That's me. I recognize that. My body says, turn on the air conditioning. It's hot. I'm sweating. My spirit says, get up, go outside, and ask your neighbor if you can help him with his yard. That's not me. <laughs> That's definitely not my flesh. Holy Spirit has a way of knowing, because here's the thing. Holy Spirit is like the cheat sheet. It knows both sides of the story. I remember being in high school. We had one teacher, Mr. Blanchard. I love him to this day. Why? Because Mr. Blanchard would get mad at the system of school. He, would just, he worked a third shift job as a security guard, and he worked in the morning as a teacher. So he'd come in some days tired. Then was the best days when he was like dead tired. We'd have a test, and Mr. Blanchard would be like, you know what? sick of this. Forget this. Open book test. Everybody, pull your books out. Y'all gonna take this test. Take it with your books. I don't care. Just be quiet. Leave me alone and don't say nothing. Don't tell nobody what happened outside this classroom. Open book test? Yes! And I remember I had a friend named Chantille. She was getting mad because she spent 16 hours studying or whatever. This is not fair. It's not fair. I studied. I'm like, shoot, I studied too, but I'm going to open this book. <laughs> I'm confident, but I ain't that confident. I bet you this book know 100% what the answer is. But we want to live life like that. God is sick of the system. And he says, I want to give you an open book test. So I'm giving you the Holy Spirit who already has the answers. All you have to do is ask. Open the book. Because see, some of us in here, we deal with this wonderful thing called pride. And pride says, oh, no, I don't need no book. I studied myself. My own understanding is more than good enough for me to pass this test. But do you not know the Bible says to lean not to your own understanding? In all your ways, in everything you do, acknowledge him and he. Who is he? Holy Spirit will direct your paths. But some of y'all is taking the test of life. 
with no book. And you're missing answers. That will be right on page 47 if you just flip a few pages. You're good by yourself. Sure, you're good enough to get a 76 on the test. You're good enough to get an 87 on the test. But God is saying, if you trust my book and hear from my word and from my spirit, you can ace this thing. Has anyone in here ever been an answer to prayer and didn't find out till later? You did something and that person said, I was just praying about this. I was just asking God. I was saying, Lord, I need somebody to talk to. And you called at that exact moment. Because it's an open book. Holy Spirit is hearing the prayer, hearing the need, hearing the question, and he comes to you providing the answer, the resources, the ability, and he just matches it up. We're talking about neighboring well. This is why we have to study his word. Philip, who received a piece of the information. Now, here's the thing God does. He never tells you the whole thing. Wish he would. Tell me the date, the time, exactly where I need to be, what I should do and say. This would be so much easier. He tells us where to go. He tells you what to do. And then he leaves it up to you to make some choices. So Philip, who goes over to this carriage, Holy Spirit says, just go walk alongside him. Philip, here's the man reading through a scripture, and he asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Because something in him knows God well enough to know what would Jesus do in this moment. Would he just walk alongside? Well, you know, I, I'm just going to walk until, until God tell me something else to do. I don't know. Well, Lord, I'm not going to do nothing until you tell me. We got to use some common sense, too. If God sends you, you should be looking for a God opportunity in those moments. So the Holy Spirit knows the eunuch is reading through this, knows where he's going to be, knows the questions he's going to ask, and he strategically places Philip to be the answer for a God-sized outcome. I want you to know that being led by the Holy Spirit is the greatest adventure you'll ever have. You want to see some crazy stuff happen in your life? That little prompting to show up, every time it show up, say yes and see what happened in your life. Anybody ever see that movie with Jim Carrey called Yes Man? <laughs> Where he was, he took a vow to say yes to any opportunity that came up. And it ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to him. I promise you, we got to become yes men, yes women. But there's some trial and error to this. Because as much as I would love to tell you, and I've always gotten it right, and I heard from the Lord, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I have been fooled by me. <laughs> been fooled by the enemy. Things I, I know this God, he's telling me to do this. Well, how do we know when it's not the Spirit? Let's talk about that for a second. The voice of God is always going to lead to godly fruit and an increase in faith. A prompting is going to be a gentle suggestion or an idea, and when it's from God, there's going to be peace in it. If there's no peace, don't take that step. You better go back to God and ask again. Lord, I'm going to lay this fleece out here and put some dew on it and let the ground be dry because I need to be sure this is you. If you take a step and it doesn't work, it goes against God's word, or it leads you into a sinful lifestyle. Can we just be honest and say that probably wasn't him? I remember a pastor, when I was growing up, he swore up and down. God told him to start his own church. Leave our church. Start his own. Okay. Problem was, nobody in leadership agreed with him. But God is telling me. He told me, I got to get, I, I, I got a ministry. Okay. He probably did tell you you had a ministry. Well, he told me to go start my own church. He did. Two years later, he was divorced. Lost all relationship with his daughter. 
life fell apart. Now, who in here want to tell me that was God's plan for his life? At some point, we have to take ownership and be willing to say, I missed it. I missed it. It's learning to hear a voice and understand it. Understand, we hear a lot of things. It takes time. It takes practice. I think I hear something. Lord, okay, I'm going to take one step. Oh, hey, that worked. Okay, let me take it. Oh, well, no, that bit me. Okay, let me come back. Okay, God, I hear you. I'm, I'm going to take a step. Okay. Hey, oh, hey, okay, hold on. I can walk a little. Oh, wait a minute. It's a process of learning. Oh, my baby want me in the middle of the sermon. <laughs> I want day-day. You don't never want me when I'm preaching. <laughs> Peter had an opportunity. Everybody heard the story of Peter walking on the water. I want you to use your imagination with me for a second. The disciples are out on the water, and they believe they see a ghost coming across the water. Because sometimes we read the Bible, and we just read it. They think they see a ghost. This is not normal. My imagination says they're probably freaking out. And Peter, who's the bold one, always running off at the mouth. Lord... That's you. If it's you, tell me to come out there. And can you see the other disciple looking at him like, fool, that's a ghost. <laughs> if it's you, tell me to come out there. And Jesus says, come. And for whatever reason, we got this feeling like Peter comes to the edge of the boat and says, okay, and walks. Peter's a fisherman. He's been on the water most of his life. Peter has probably seen crazy storms. He's probably seen people drowning. He's probably, he's see, he knows water is the one thing you don't play with. If y'all really believe Peter hopped on out the boat, Pete, look, Peter, I'm, I'm, let me show you. Peter was probably, can I come out there? Yes, come. God, why did I ask that question? Oh, Jesus, oh. Peter looking at the water, he like, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, God. Oh. Is it, is it too late to go back, Lord? <laughs> Can you picture Peter putting one foot down and realizing it's solid, but he still ain't quite trusting it yet? Hold on. Wait. Okay. I heard you say, come on, but uh, are y'all seeing this? Like, my foot is for real on the... He stands up, but you know, Peter, who probably had a little black in him, was still holding on to the boat. <laughs> Peter was probably like, oh, Jesus, oh, Lord, this better be you. <laughs> Can you picture the fear Peter probably had? He's doing something he's never done before because he believes God has asked him to do it. But here's the lesson in this. If God asks you to do it, he's, he's guaranteed to make sure you can accomplish it. He's absolutely obligated to make that water as hard as concrete if he called you to walk on it. Now, there was 11 other disciples in the boat. He didn't tell not none of them to come. So, John could have tried to climb out that boat if he wanted to. Oh, well, Peter doing it. Shoot, I'm going to go ahead. This look good. Oh. Why? Because he never told you to get out the boat. When God is leading us, it's for his glory. We serve a God who can never fail. So why would he set you up for failure? How would that make him look? What kind of God would tell you to get out the boat and watch you drown? The only time Peter started sinking is when he took his eyes off of the one that told him to get out in the first place. So even while doing the will of God, if I'm not careful, 
and I allow circumstances to take my eyes off the one who called me here in the first place, I can find myself in the same type of trouble somebody else who wasn't even told to go get into. Does this make sense? When you're led by the Spirit of God, you can do nothing but be successful because you're doing the will of God according to his knowledge and his plans. Walking on water don't make sense to me. I get in the bathtub. I see what happened when I put my foot in there. <laughs> I ain't trying that out on Lake Michigan. But if God tells you, go across this street and knock on that door, you better go knock on that door. If God tells you, and sometimes he'll tell you, don't do it. I had a brother, I think it was a brother, <laughs> coming to my car. Brother, I just, I just need, I just need about three, four dollars. And I've always promised God I'll never let a person go hungry. Now, I might not give you money, but I'll buy you food. But for whatever reason, when this person came to my car, everything in me said, nope, don't give him nothing. Really? <laughs> you got three or four dollars? Nope, I do not. Roll my window up. Because <laughs> I don't know, but the Holy Spirit does. I was laughing with Elder Marcus the other night. We had a guy who at my old church used to say, Holy Ghost knows. That was his phrase. Holy Ghost knows. The whole story. We only have a piece of the puzzle. So it's in listening. It's in being obedient to that that we learn to understand that God is really doing some amazing things and he's actually speaking to us more often than we give him credit. We keep praying, Lord, help me. Lord, I want to hear from you. Lord, help teach me your word. Show me your will. But you keep ignoring this little voice in the back of your mind that's telling you, don't say that. Don't do that. Go apologize. You know when last week when you went over there and you did that, that wasn't the right way to handle that. And we ignore that. But it's God speaking. We have to take advantage of God himself living inside of us, showing us the right way to go. A couple of scriptures quick here as I get ready to end. In Proverbs 16 and 3, the word says, Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Now, for any of you that may be jumping in on with, with me on the online thing, I'm like a big Bible nerd. Like, if I can go in and just study that in every word, I'm trying to dissect it. When I started looking at this phrase, commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The reality for me is I started looking up the word commit. Thank you, sir. When you look into... The origin of the word commit from the biblical text, it's to roll over to. The word works. The things you need to accomplish. Things you need to get done. Things you want to achieve. Roll over the things you want to achieve to the Lord. The thoughts will be established, established to be made ready be prepared. So it's something as simple. If I look at Brother Towns over here, it's something as simple as I'm going to roll the things I need to accomplish. Now you notice I'm not over there messing around with it. I'm waiting here. I'm giving God the opportunity to look at what I need to accomplish work out the best plan of moving forward and then for his spirit to download it into me so I can be obedient. Any plans he gives me are going to be according to his will. And we've already discussed if I'm in his will, I cannot fail. Now, I can have some trouble. I can have some persecution. I can have some problems with other folks, but I can't fail in what he's called me to do. Roll that back to me, sir. 
I'm going to say this again for somebody on this side. Jesse, if I roll... Man, either I got to roll better or God need longer hands. <laughs> if I roll my works over to him, God looks at what needs to be done and he establishes my plans. Back in February, I was praying about our young people. And we have an amazing youth ministry here because we've got some amazing people in it. One of the conversations I've been having recently, though, is just being honest about our strengths and our weaknesses. As a youth ministry, we are inundated with people. Anybody aware of the five-fold ministry? Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. We have three of them on lock. We got evangelists. We're going to go out and find them. We're going to attract them, and we're going to get them here. We have pastors, people who will do life with them regardless of whatever. We got the little rod in our hand. We beat them with it, and we push other stuff off of them. We got that down. We're teachers. We're going to make sure they have a base knowledge of who God is and what he wants to do in their life. But at this point, that has been great for the first two years as we've been building. That's what you need to reach the world. But you also are missing the apostolic anointing. And the prophetic anointing. This is where God really becomes real. Because me talking to you and teaching you and loving you is a portion of it. But it's not the fullness of the ministry. My prayer was, Lord, I understand that we're missing these aspects. So you got to help me. We're at a place right now where spiritual activation is needed for our young people. We're at that place. I feel it. Why? Holy Spirit is telling me, you got to start looking for this. We're, we're, we're just about there. February, actually, no, April, I began praying, okay, Lord, you got to help us. You got to help us. The, the youth conference we went to last year, they didn't do it this year. I didn't have anywhere to take them. It has to be something that's going to be life-changing. April, I opened up my Facebook page, of all things, and there was a conference at the top of it. And I recognized two of the faces. One of them was a guy that I had grown up with who was a speaker. I'm like, What? And Pastor John Gray was one of the others. When I tell you I told God, here's what I need to accomplish, we need to take these kids. And when I started looking into it, I realized it was going to cost us about $9,000 to pull this off. This was mid-April. The conference is in June. Jesus, I'm going to need $9,000 to do this. What I needed to accomplish was taking youth to a place where Jesus could be made real to them on their level. I don't know how to do that. I don't know where that is. It's $9,000 now that I know where it is, and I don't have $9,000 to give. Some of it to Tim. I rolled it right on over. And I gave it to God. And when I tell you that ideas begin showing up in my spirit that I had to think about in my soul and then have my body act on. The Holy Spirit says, you're going to charge $75 per kid. I'm like, $75 angle? What's that covering? This is the argument I have with God, y'all. I'm just going to give you both sides. What's $75 going to do? 9,000 divided by 75 mean I got to take 114 kids. I don't know if I can cover that. You're going to charge $75 per kid. Okay. You're going to send this email. I had actually received an email from another person who was looking for funding somewhere across the country. Holy Spirit says, take that email. You're going to tweak this a little bit. You're going to shoot this out to some specific organizations. And I'm like, well, I can help with this. I got a database of like 350 organizations. I'm about to shoot this to everybody. No, you're not. 
I sat there and looked at that list, and it was almost like I could see almost like lights almost where you see certain names kind of just stick out. And I'm praying the whole time, God, you got to tell me. I don't know what I'm doing. And he says, that's exactly where I want you. Best place to be. God, I don't know what I'm doing. Because he says, in your weakness, I am made strong. So specific names start hitting my mind, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to just send this out. I don't know what you're doing. Seem crazy to me. You want to charge $75 a kid? That ain't going to cover it. You want me to shoot random emails out to random people? I don't understand. That makes zero sense to me. When I tell you, I sent the email on a Tuesday. Thursday. First email comes back from Goodwill. Pastor Jay, we really believe in what you're trying to do. This sounds amazing. We want to cover the cost of all of the registration for all of the kids that you want to take. We're sending you a check for $2,000. Y'all, if I was ready to do a lap around my house, there was an organization we partnered with last year. And they helped fund us through the summer providing food and a lot of other things. And they ended up providing over $4,000 over the course of a nine-month span. And I was, they were one of the people God told me, like, send them an email. Well, the guy I had been cool with, he wasn't even there no more. Like, my connection is gone, Jesus. What you do? Just shots in the dark. Okay. I know God be sick of me, but that's how I be talking. I sent the email because I ain't stupid now. <laughs> I fuss, but I ain't crazy. I sent this email, and the new guy... It's like, you know, let me check. Let me look into it. I'll get back to you. And I'm like, oh, here we go. I already know. He called me, and he was like, I need to meet with you. Okay. We came here. You know, I got all of my little paperwork. I'm about to put my whole spiel. I'm about to sell him on this. You're going to give us some money today. <laughs> I'm ready. That man didn't even let me get to talking. He was like, you remember last year how they had the mission program that helped fund you guys? I'm like, yeah. You know it ended, and you didn't receive any more checks from us? Yes, I definitely remember that. He was like, I checked with our finance team, and I found out we forgot to close the account. Well, shoot, what's that mean? He said, this whole time, money has still been coming into it. And at our church, we have a policy that money that is earmarked for a specific thing can't be moved. We have a check for $3,400 waiting for you. I could have kissed that man on the mouth. <laughs> Are you serious? In a week, I've gone from $9,000 to I'm already halfway there. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. God says, now you're going to make an appeal. Get in front of these crazy church folks. Give them an opportunity to be blessed. Because, see, you don't look at it as, do as donations. You should look at it as an opportunity to be blessed of God by what he's given you, showing him I will be a good steward over this money. Because if I show God that you can trust me with some money to give back to the things that you want to do, God says, bet, I'm going to give you some more money. We came here, put out the $75 thing. When I tell you we had people walking up saying, I'm going to sponsor 10 kids. I'm going to sponsor five kids. I'm going to sponsor... There were other churches who donated. There were other organizations who donated. You all, there was money I hadn't even thought about having to spend because as good as I thought I was, I missed some stuff. We got out there and realized, oh my God, we got more kids than the bus going home. We need a van. We got out there and realized y'all ate up all the food Friday night that we had for the three days. Why y'all so greedy? We had to do other stuff. I had to spend additional funds that I hadn't thought about. But God in his providence had already provided. I ended up over $9,000, but can I tell you that at this time over $10,000 had come in already? God didn't just take care of the immediate need. He said, I'm gonna provide for your future need as well. Cause you don't even know this extra $1,000 is gonna come in handy when you get all these kids to where I need them to be. 
when we got to that conference, and some of you know the ministry that we do and the ministry God has called me to, man, it's, it's, so, it's outside the church. It's, I'm called to the non-believer. I'm called to the ones that don't like church, don't want to be with Christians, don't, want to, don't really care about God. I'm called to them. I love them. I'm actually more comfortable with them than I am around some of y'all because they keep it real all the time. It's never a game. They go on this trip. Many of them have never worshipped. Many of them have never experienced a move of God. Many of them have never, no idea what lifting your hands or bowing down on your face or speaking in tongues. When I tell you that by Saturday night, kids was laying on the floor, not even understanding what was happening to them. I can't, I just, I just keep shaking. What's wrong with me? That's God. We had kids who watched friends of theirs getting on the stage being prophesied over. We had a young man, and Jesus know even how to get them. He know how to get you. You know how you have everybody in the group that think they real, and then you got the one in the group that actually is real? <laughs> Jesus called him up to the stage. Because, see, he one of them ones that ain't going to fake. Mm -mm, ain't no faking. And when they saw him break down, and when they saw the Spirit of God begin moving on him, we had kids who said, I thought what the adults were doing was phony until I saw it happen to him. And I know he wouldn't play games. Youth were worshiping. Youth were praying. We had two young people that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit right there. The young man who was pulled onto the stage was told that he had an evangelistic calling on his life and that God was going to use him to save thousands of people. All I did was be obedient. I get no credit. I deserve none. People ask, how is this happening in the youth ministry? What are you doing? What's your strategy? I don't know what I'm doing, y'all. What I do know is that I serve a God who knows how to work out the plans and to establish them. All we have to do, pray for God's will. Listen to him speaking within us and be obedient. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services workshops, and encounters. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.